This Fit Cookie Crumbles episode of the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Koros. To become part of the Koros community, follow Koros Global on Instagram and Facebook. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's Fit Cookie Crumbles episode, where we get right down to the down and dirty, the short and sweet version of common topics in the nutrition and running space. And today's episode has been highly requested uh, for many months, so I'm finally getting around to record this one, and I'm going to do my best to try and keep it short and true to the Fit Cookie Crumbles um, template, which is under 30 minutes. So we'll see how this goes. So today's topic is strength training and in particular strength training and how it fits in with run training. Since I know most of you listening are runners or other modes of endurance athletes. So let's kind of get to the spark notes version. You know, I always love to make a a statement. If you just want the down and dirty, you want to listen to my voice for like no longer than past a minute of where I'm talking right now. So essentially the summary is that, do you have to strength train to be a better runner? And the answer is if your goal is to prevent injuries, improve metabolism and body composition, and if it's to potentially be faster and stronger as a runner and to run for a long time in terms of duration of your life, then I'd say, yeah, you got to strength train to be a better runner. If you want to be a better runner like right now, and you need to focus on your running performance in a from a short term perspective, so maybe in the next few weeks, then you have to focus on running and you don't necessarily need to focus on strength training. But if you're in this for the long game, and the long run, and you want to get faster, then yeah, you got to strength train. So let's dive in to basically all of the different types of strength training, since you might be thinking, strength training. What does that mean? Does that mean like body weight exercises? Does it mean like barbells and dumbbells, kettlebells, resistance bands? What the heck are you talking about, Holly? So from a perspective of the different types of strength training, and first of all, if you guys are listening to this and you're new, or if you didn't know already, I am a certified personal trainer. So this isn't completely unsolicited advice. I do have credentials in this topic. I also do my best to continue doing continuing education on these topics because it's something I'm very passionate about, but I am obviously not a physical therapist. Um, I am not a doctor of physical therapy. I'm not a physio as known in other countries, and I'm not a chiropractor. I, I don't have any of those credentials. So, you know, if you are looking for more specific injury prevention or injury rehab topics, those are going to be your people that you want to go consult from a one-on-one perspective. If you need referrals, I am happy to help point you in the right direction. And again, I can talk about exercise and strength training, but I am not necessarily your certified personal trainer unless we are working together one-on-one or in some of my programming. So when it comes to strength training, there are, to put it very simply, um, three different types of strength training. So We can do strength training with an endurance focus, which is kind of like very low weight or no weight and very high repetition exercises. So for example, you know, if you're doing like 30 reps of bicep curls with one pound weights, um, there is hypertrophy training or strength training, which is pretty classic what you might think of when you think of strength training, which is anywhere from like two to four sets of like eight to 15 ish repetitions. Um, and this is going to be a challenging weight, 
but not the heaviest that you could possibly lift at a one rep max. And hypertrophy training does help build strength. And also it helps promote like an increase in your lean body mass, AKA your muscle mass, and also can have benefits for metabolism. Power training, which is the third type of strength training we'll talk about, is typically um, more sets. So maybe like four plus sets of very, very high weight and very, very low repetition. So this is where, you know, you're looking at like three reps of maybe deadlifts and you've got hundreds of pounds on the bar. Um, of course, heavy is always relative to the person heavy for you might be light for someone else. And you know, that heavy for someone else might be very light for you. So endurance focus, hypertrophy training, power training. And of course we have also classes like, you know, um, exercise program classes, which often are a medley. So if we're thinking of like CrossFit, um, that's probably going to be mostly hypertrophy and power training. Orange Theory Fitness is going to be endurance um, focused with a lot of cardio mixed in. F45 um, is a newer type of workout class that's going to be mostly hypertrophy training with a lot of cardio mixed in. Um, Bar classes, um, B-A-R-R-E, are going to be mostly endurance focused. And then you've got things like Barry's Boot Camp, which are going to be kind of like that power hypertrophy cardio combo. So a lot of endurance or rather a lot of exercise classes do incorporate many different types of strength training. And they also do sometimes incorporate cardio. Um, so if you're doing like cardio bursts between your strength training sets, or if you're doing, you know, like just like a lot of different like exercises in that class and there's really no rest, um, that is going to be a cardio focus. And because these classes do combine a lot of different strength training types and there's not necessarily specific individualized programming, that is why people, um, when they start doing classes, they will see probably a benefit and they will see an improvement at first. And then it can be very easy to plateau because you're not necessarily following a very specific structured program. So I'm not standing here saying that stay away from classes. They're bad for you. I'm not saying that I love classes. Um, I've done CrossFit. I've done Orange Theory Fitness. I've done bar classes. I still incorporate bar classes pretty often into my marathon training. And there are certain things that you find that work for you and that you really enjoy. And that is what exercise is all about when it's a hobby, right? So classes by all means do have a time and place, but note that if you're feeling like you're hitting a plateau or if you have a specific injury, classes might not be the way to go, at least for that moment. And it might be better to get some one-on-one help. I've personally worked with personal trainers before, physical therapists, um, and folks who have helped me kind of learn a lot about myself and get in and out of injury cycles. Um, so I do highly recommend that. Yes, even coaches need coaches, and it's some of the best decisions I've ever made for my own development and also professional development as well, because it's a learning process, and I am always someone who likes to ask why when I am being told something. So when we're talking about strength training for runners, because if you're like, well, should I focus on endurance? Should I focus on hypertrophy, power? Like, what should I start with? If you're someone who maybe has never strength trained before, um, we always are going to talk about, you know, focusing on where you're currently at, not where you used to be, not exactly where you want to go in 12 months, but where are you currently at? Are you in a place where you haven't picked up a weight? 
in a really long time? Are you in a place where maybe you're postpartum and your body's kind of different than it used to be? Um, or maybe you're in a place where you're at the peak of your game, but you know, in CrossFit or in powerlifting, but you kind of want to start focusing maybe on more like endurance and running. Um, it's really going to be important wherever you're at that you focus on building a strong foundation of the basic functional foundational exercises of strength training. So these different movements are the push, the pull, the hip hinge, the squat, the carry, the core, and the lunge, if you count that opposite of a squat. So push, pull, hip hinge, squat, carry, core, lunge. These are all of the different exercises that we want to be incorporating in our strength programs. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the episode. And also we want to really have a good, strong foundation in doing these things before we add any kind of like complexity to our exercises or, you know, a ton of like, um, very complex specific workouts. So Essentially, if you're starting from scratch, I do recommend starting with just your body weight. That might be plenty of weight for you. That might be enough to stimulate muscle growth. Um, You know, it might be enough to stimulate a strength training response for where you're currently at and also help keep you um, out of injury. Although I will say sometimes adding a load to the workout, adding a load to the specific exercise you're doing, and by load, I just mean adding weight to it, um, that can sometimes, you know, be beneficial right from the start. So this is where working one-on-one with someone who knows you and can see you move would be really beneficial. Um, and then after, you know, when you're like, all right, I'm going to start with body weight, kind of focusing on like the hypertrophy style where you've got, you know, two to four sets of like eight to 15 reps of your exercises. Again, that's usually a good place to start for people. And then once you feel like you have a good foundation and you're adding weight, you can start to get more specific on whether you feel like continuing with the hypertrophy stuff is helpful or if you need to go more power and add more weight now that you kind of have dusted the cobwebs off of yourself and got moving. Don't be afraid of adding weight. Um, So I know a lot of females are going to be you know, if I add weight, am I going to get bulky? You know, if, if I add weight, is it going to kind of take away from the endurance component? I really want to focus on my running. Um, and what I'll say is that if you look at the fastest athletes on the track, so like the sprinters, you know, the, the hundred meters, the 400 meters, the relays, a lot of those athletes, they, they have some muscle mass on them, right? Like they're strong looking. Um, they do some heavy power lifting. They do some accessory exercises as well. But if we kind of start to look at the, you know, sprinters, and then we focus more on the middle distance athletes. So like the 3k, uh, steeplechase or the 1500, those athletes still do have muscle mass on them. You know, they're maybe a little bit less powerful looking, a little bit leaner. Um, A lot of those athletes are also incorporating power training because it's necessary for the speed in their sport, especially if they're focusing on that finishing kick. And they're also going to focus on, you know, kind of those accessory exercises that may be more involved in endurance. But a lot of the times they're still loading, you know, those workouts. They're in like strength, hypertrophy and power training. And then once we start to focus on, you know, the longer distance runners, so like the 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, ultra marathon, you know, that physique at an absolute elite level. And I'm not talking about recreational runners, guys, because every runner has a runner's body and you can do whatever the heck you want with your runner's body. Um, but when we're talking about an elite level where the these people are training specifically for performance in their sport and their body is simply an outcome of that training and their genetic predispositions, 
the um, longer distance runners, you know, they tend to be leaner. Some of them do have more muscle mass on them. It just kind of depends on the person's genetic predisposition and how they like to train. But most of your endurance athletes, guys, are still strength training. They're still doing some muscle hypertrophy work and, you know, kind of looking at it that way. So if you're female and you're afraid of getting bulky, I would focus on, you know, where that comes from. What are your goals? If your goal is to get faster, you know, if your goal is to get um, as strong and functional as you can in the gym, then, you know, getting a little bit of extra muscle mass on you, one, it might not look how you think it's going to look Two, if it's helping you what's wrong with it. I always like to say, you know, there's nothing wrong with being bulky. And also you won't necessarily get bulky from strength training. A lot of females would have to be lifting a lot of weight, um, and eating, a lot of protein, um, and maybe even taking steroids in order to truly get that bulky, you know, look. Um, when we look at like professional power lifters who are doing this, this is their career, this is all they do. Yeah, they have more muscle mass on them and a little bit more bulk. But what's wrong with that? They're good at their sport. So, you know, if you're afraid to add in strength training, because you don't want to get bulky, and you're starting from scratch, you're not going to get bulky. And if you do, what's wrong with that? So looking at, you know, what, different types of strength training might be beneficial. Um, in terms of women, if you're over 35 and you maybe have a long history of like strength and hypertrophy training, it might benefit you from a metabolism standpoint in replacing, um, what estrogen used to do for you when it was higher. You know, if you're in that perimenopause stage of life where your hormones are fluctuating, or maybe you're even menopausal or postmenopausal where estrogen has bottomed out, Estrogen is your tissue builder. So you're not going to be as good at building muscle mass anymore. So hypertrophy training, where we're focusing on building muscle mass, isn't necessarily going to be where your efforts are best used. And it's going to benefit you potentially more to do more power training. So if you're starting from absolute scratch and you're in this category and you've never picked up a weight before or it's been a very long time, I would recommend still starting from the ground up, you know, starting with your body weight exercises and moving up to power training eventually as your goal. Now, if we're looking at runner specific movements, because after we've built a good foundation of those other foundational movements like the push, pull, hip hinge, squat, carry core and lunge. We want to look at runner specific things. And when I say runner specific, you know, I don't mean just ditch all those other movements. They're still important. We want to keep doing those. When I say runner specific, I mean that these workouts and the exercises you're doing should mimic running and that can help prevent overuse from the sport. And also we want it to complement running by involving other planes of motion with these exercises. So what I mean by that is that running, if we think about it, you're just hopping from one foot to the other foot over and over and over again, straight. Unless you do the trails where maybe you're hopping a little bit side to side, for the most part in running, we are moving straight and it is one-legged in one plane of motion. So complementing it, we would want to do a lot of one-legged exercises to make sure that we are evening out any imbalances or weaknesses between our two legs, since most runners do have you know, a dominant side that can be caused by overuse or also just gait indifferences or anatomical differences from side to side. So one-legged things would be important. So that could be like adding in a one-legged hip hinge movement or a one-legged squat movement. And we also want to add in things that maybe go in other planes of motion. So doing like a side squat or, you know, doing something that moves side to side to help complement that forward plane of motion just to make you a better well-rounded athlete. When I talk about strength training with my clients 
and with people in my group coaching programs and in my courses. I talk about basically making yourself a well-rounded athlete that specializes in running when it needs to count. So in terms of, you know, looking at what else runner-specific strength training means, we really want to think about strength training that shouldn't make you so sore from that workout that you can't run the next day. Um, There's nothing more frustrating with saying, all right, I'm going to start strength training. It's going to be great. And then you're so sore that you can't complete your runs. And you're like, why did I even bother? Um, Because my focus, my priority is running. So what am I doing? I will say the first time you start strength training, if it's been a while, you'll be sore the first couple of times and that's okay. But your body should adapt to it pretty quickly. And the bigger background you have with strength training, the quicker it's going to adapt. Um, But I also wouldn't necessarily use soreness as your only barometer of if the exercise or workout was successful. So you shouldn't go in with a goal of being so sore the next day that you can't walk or that you're in pain. That's not the goal of strength training, especially strength training for runners, because oftentimes you got to run the next day. So that's never good. So before we talk about the other benefits of strength training, let's take a break and listen to a word from our sponsor. I wanted to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor for this podcast episode, Koros Wearables. Koros makes GPS watches that help athletes train to be their best. Koros uses top-of-the-line hardware with innovative technology to provide endurance athletes with the gear they need. So when you use a Koros product, you know you're getting a tool that's been designed, tested, and perfected for the athlete by the athlete. And they're not kidding. Koros watches allow you to create your own personalized workouts and training plans for running, cycling, swimming, and even a strength or core or like in the gym kind of workout. And their track feature is one of my favorite features from the Koros watch. If you need an extra reminder to properly fuel during your workout, hello, fueling on the run, Koros has you covered with their customizable nutrition alerts. How cool is that? You can literally have me poking you during your workout to remember to take your fuel, which is so cool. Koros users have set world records. I mean, have you heard of Elliot Kipchoge? And been to the highest points on earth, pushing their products to the extremes. And they can handle it. At Koros, creation and innovation is never ending. And for Koros, the user is the focus. So if you want to be part of the Koros community, you can follow at Koros Koros Global, which is C-O-R-O-S-G-L-O-B-A-L, Koros Global on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get back to our guest. All right, now let's dive into just some of the research on this. Now, there are so many studies regarding strength training for performance and strength training for injury prevention. And I tried to stick to the studies that talked about, you know, endurance athletes specifically. Um, But, you know, obviously, this is a short episode, and it's already kind of long. So we're not going to dive into all of them. But here's a couple of bullet points that I wanted to talk about. So you might be wondering, like, how long is it going to take for me to start to feel the benefits of strength training. And by feel the benefits of strength training in this particular study, strength training was found to improve strength, duh, (laughs) economy of running VO2 max and your metabolism gains. Um, And this particular study by BD et al um, found that it took like 20 to 40 weeks to see those significant improvements from the subjects in their study. And there are other studies such as Fernandez et al, where it takes eight to 12 weeks. So you might be thinking, wow, that's a really big difference. Like eight to 40 weeks is a really long time. 
And of course, my answer to this is it depends, you know, it depends on where you're coming from. It depends on the type of strength you're doing um, and, you know, where you're at in your running age and in your sport. I would say from my experience, just my personal experience, but also my experience working with clients is it typically takes between like one and three months to start to notice a benefit of strength training. Some people might find if they have a long history of strength training, making subtle tweaks to it to more support their running, they'll notice benefits within a month um, because their body's already very used to moving that way. Whereas other clients who maybe have never strength trained before, maybe have never even run before, um, you know, it might take a little bit longer for them to see the benefit. But what I want to encourage too is that strength training, like any other kind of training, you know, you really want to think about it in terms of cycles. Um, If you're going to put together consistent blocks of strength training with breaks in between that are controlled, meaning you don't just stop going to the gym for a year, but more you take a week off or you take a cutback um, block to recover, you know, you should be seeing benefits significantly over micro cycles. So just week to week, but also macro cycles, you know, more like every three to six months or so where you can look back on your progress and say, yeah, I definitely did get stronger or I got fitter or that injury is feeling better, whatever the goal was of your strength training. So as far as reducing injuries, um, there's actually a study. Um, there's a lot of studies on this, but one more significantly from uh, Lorison et al. found that basically a 10% increase in strength, um, you know, strength training volume. So adding more strength workouts to your training decreased your risk of injury, and it decreases your risk of injury more than stretching does. So. If I had a dollar for every time a runner told me, yeah, I really need to stretch more, I'd have a lot of dollars um, and be able to sponsor this podcast all by myself. (laughs) But essentially, um, stretching might feel good. You know, studies show that it does have mental health benefits. So I'm not going to diss stretching because it has mental health benefits and mental health benefits are health benefits, right? They're just as important, if not more important than your physical benefits. So If you stretch a lot and you love stretching and you think it makes you feel awesome, keep stretching. There's, you know, not necessarily a harm in that if you're not personally experiencing a harm currently. But some studies do show that overstretching can actually make certain injuries worse. So here's a really good example of something that I've personally done and also learned from, but also I've experienced with a lot of my clients as their personal trainer is you know, you are maybe on a run, you're doing a track workout and you're like, Ooh, I think I tweaked my hamstring. My hamstring kind of feels tight. Like it doesn't feel like my other hamstring. So then you, what do you do? You bend over and you try to touch your toes and you're stretching your hamstring and it's, it's feeling kind of good in the moment, but it's still not feeling that good just walking or running around. So then you kind of go and you bend over more and you're always just stretching, stretching, stretching your hamstring. You're asking someone to push your hamstring towards you when you're laying down and you end up with a hamstring injury. <laughs> so this is an example where, yes, runners can have tight hamstrings and stretching hamstrings gently might be beneficial. But what's going to be more beneficial is making sure that you don't have weak hamstrings because a weak hamstring is going to over lengthen when you're pushing it too hard, harder than it's used to being pushed, like maybe in a sprint workout, hills or deadlifting more weight than you're used to. And then that muscle, because it's weak, is going to be overstretched. 
So stretching it more just adds to the problem. So that's where strength training can actually help reduce or prevent injuries better in a lot of cases than stretching can. But stretching does have other benefits. So again, kind of depends on how you're doing it, if it's a good you know, fit for you and why you're doing it. I'm super excited because I'm going to have a yoga expert for runners on this podcast very soon. So if you're into stretching or you want to learn more about yoga for runners, stay tuned for that episode. So we also know that your history of previous injury also increases your risk for future injury. And we also know that rest alone doesn't typically do the trick. And we know that injury percentage rates in runners are quite high. Actually, running is among the highest uh, injury rate in sport. Now, these injuries are typically not like life threatening. It's like, you know, I have runner's knee or I have like plantar fasciitis or IT band syndrome, shin splints, hamstring, quad, calf strains, maybe glute and low back issues. Now they can alter some quality of life, but they're not, it's not like you got, you know, a concussion because a linebacker hit you really hard and your helmet fell off. Like that's not typically life threatening, but since it's such a repetitive sport, running does have very high incidences of injury rate. So You know, since injuries are typically most associated with an increase in your training volume, so basically doing too many miles too soon or doing too much speed too soon or maybe both, um, you know, and, and some studies in elite athletes show that those who do certain types of strength training don't necessarily have much of a difference in injury prevention. You know, again, we know that it's going to be important for you to recover well as an athlete. You're going to need to get enough sleep. You're going to need to, you know, have adequate and proper nutrition, and you're going to have to have decrease in stress load and not over increase your stress load, AKA your training too quickly. Those are going to be the main drivers of injury prevention, but strength training and proper and very specific targeted strength training can actually help you get even more of an edge, but it's not going to just prevent all things from happening to you. If those other things aren't also in place. And one of the most frustrating things about this is that you might still get injured. (laughs) Um, You know, running is a very high impact, you know, a high repetition over and over and over again kind of sport. Um, So you can also be doing all of these things perfectly right and still get injured. And that's the most frustrating part. But that's called being human and also called being a human who maybe isn't a professional athlete and doesn't just do this for a living and only focus on this. And guess what? Even those athletes get injured. So there are still some things we obviously don't know in terms of what's helpful and what's harmful. Um, But, you know, we do know essentially that it can be very helpful to strength train if you're looking to prevent injuries, improve your performance, um, metabolism, etc. So if you're wondering, like, when should I do my strength training sessions? I already do a lot of running, maybe some cross training during the week. Like, when do I fit this in? So there's a couple things I would say. So you could do two to three full body sessions per week, and you could time it so that it's within 12 hours of your harder runs during the week. So that's the concept of keeping your harder days hard. So if you have like a tempo run or a track workout, doing your strength training on that same day or within 12 hours of that workout. So maybe doing it the next morning. Um, And I recommend doing it even like within 12 to 24 hours. If you're someone who doesn't recover as quickly, or if you're older, um, that can be a good way to fit it in doing that, those full body workouts. 
You can also split it into three days a week. So doing an upper body day, a lower body day, and a full body day. And I would also time it with your harder days with maybe the upper body day being okay to do on an easy run day because then you're not taxing your legs and you can still recover your legs on that day because the purpose of a recovery or easy run day is to recover. So by adding a ton of lower body workouts on that day, it's not necessarily going to help you. Or you could also just do like 10 minutes of exercises. So like pick three exercises and do a couple sets of them like three to four times a week after all of your runs. So this is going to be the same load on the body, but it's going to be more spread out over the week. Um, So that could be like, you know, you finish your run and then you do some one-legged squats, some, you know, hamstring bridges and some dead bugs. And then the next time you finish another run, you do some push-ups, and then you do, you know, some one-legged RDLs, and then you do some lunges. So just as an example, um, so there's a lot of different ways you can split up the strength training, but typically we want to keep the harder days during the week hard, and we want to keep the easier days that are meant for recovery during the week easy and not overload your legs on those easy days. If you're new to strength training, I highly recommend working with a strength training coach or a personal trainer um, like myself, you know, or doing a specific program where, you know, you can kind of build up really slowly um, so that you're not doing too much too soon. And then I know a lot of people are going to ask, Holly, what are your favorite strength training exercises? I've been asked this a lot um, in my Instagram question boxes. So if I had to pick three, which I'm going to cheat and pick four, (laughs) um, for runners and for just anyone to be functional, um, as a person and prevent things like low back pain or just feeling stiff or not functional. I highly recommend dead bugs for pretty much all people. They're safe for almost everyone. Um, they can be unsafe because you're relying on your back if you're pregnant and in the last trimester, but I digress again. I already gave my disclaimer at the beginning that this is not individualized recommendations, but Dead bugs, especially dead bugs with ISO holds, um, which you can look up how to do that, where you really want to keep your low back against the ground and engage that core. It's a very functional, safe spine core exercise. I also really like elevated hamstring bridges. And again, I like ISO holds for runners um, to help kind of really fire up that muscle and turn it on and strengthen the hamstring. I also like one-legged Romanian deadlifts for runners where you want to really focus on keeping your hips level and not opening up too much to the side. And I also like one-legged squats for runners um, where you want to focus on, you know, essentially keeping your, your hips and your knees and your feet all in the same plane so that your knees aren't rocking inwards or outwards, turning that glute on, having good posture and working on that one-legged range of motion. All right. I hope this was helpful. This is a bit longer than a classic Fit Cookie Crumbles episode, but I wanted to make sure we dove into all of those different facets to answer some of your questions from my Instagram feed and also that I get in my messages and from my clients all the time. If you're interested you know, in really applying this to yourself and learning specific strength workouts that you can start doing, understanding how to progress them appropriately, and again, getting specific examples of how to fit this into your training and how to basically build your own strength training workouts, I have an opportunity for you. So my runner roadmap course, um, I said I was going to close it the day this podcast is released. I'm going to keep it open for an additional week. So it will be open through August of 2021. And in this course, you basically get a step-by-step roadmap. So 
very specific, actionable, implementable things to do that involve applying, you know, fueling strategies to your nutrition so that you know exactly what to eat before your runs, during your runs, after your runs, throughout your training, and after your training is over, and also hydration strategies. And also using things like gels, you know, should I do caffeine? How do I prevent gut issues on the run? You know, how do I have a good relationship with food and not approach this from a restrictive standpoint? And a huge part of that program as well of the runner roadmap course is preventing injuries through strength training, proper warmups. So you're going to get very specific exercise routines to do and be able to gauge basically, you know, how to progress this from where you're currently at. You're going to be able to join the community of runners who have taken this journey and applied it to themselves and gotten PRs and prevented injuries and prevented spiraling into a negative relationship with running or food. So If the runner roadmap course sounds right up your alley, I am going to keep it open for one more week through August. So if you want to join, that is open to you and you can use the code podcast at checkout to save some extra dollars on that purchase. Until next time, guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Tag me and share this episode on your social media and with friends to get the word out and happy running. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.